0: Star Wars 7x7, episode 1,227. Today, I'm talking about the Forces of Destiny episode and Imperial Feast, and I'm telling you, out of all of the episodes of Forces of Destiny so far, this one is by far the best. Punch it, chewy. Hey, I'm Anthony Bresnikan, covering the Star Wars Galaxy for Entertainment Weekly, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and the core idea behind an Imperial Feast is the utter and complete admission that the Ewoks are absolutely going to eat stormtroopers. Of course it's been implied that these things are happening when you see helmets in the Ewok village and Bright Tree Village and that sort of thing, and of course we all joke about, oh, they're bloodthirsty little creatures and whatnot, but here... It is up front, without a doubt, that's it. They are there to be eaten, period, paragraph, end of story. And this becomes the moral dilemma at the crux of this episode. And you just gotta hear some of this for yourself. So you're gonna hear briefly the Ewoks singing and humming along as they are prepping the stormtroopers for the feast. And then Han, Chewie, and Leia are about to get into it. You think we should let them? Should let them what? Alea! We were just... Letting the Ewoks cook the enemy? We just got here. Well, were you going to stop them? Of course! Uh, Maybe. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, and so then we get slapstick. We get great slapstick as Leia goes to intervene and she pulls a branch aside that then snaps back and smacks Han in the face. She goes over to the Ewok who's working on one of the stormtroopers and says, Hey, you know, we can't eat the enemy. We got to treat him nicely. And the Ewok's answer to the head is to look at the stormtrooper and whack him on the head with a wooden ladle which again, I love it, I love it, I love it, and so Leia has to do something about this obviously, so she tells Han to go get some rations from none other than General Harrison Syndulla, who is on Endor, so holy cow, now we have a Star Wars Rebels revelation, not only does Harrison Syndulla and the Ghost seemingly, I mean, yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that for a second, uh, but Not only does Hera survive the events of the Battle of Scarif, but she also survives another four years and all the way through the Battle of Endor to be alive and kicking without you know, anything seemingly different about her at the end of Return of the Jedi. And by without anything different, what I simply mean is that you know she doesn't have an eye patch because she's lost an eye. She doesn't have a prosthetic leg of any kind, as far as you can tell. Like It looks like she is still perfectly intact. And Chopper is here as well. So the two that we saw in Rogue One are also the two that we see in this little short story taking place right after the events of Return of the Jedi. And not only that, but it seems that there is a bit of familiarity between Han and Hera. Not a tremendous amount, but at least something, because to give the ration cases over, Hera has to extract something from Han, and that is an admission that the Ghost is a superior ship, To the Millennium Falcon. Now, that one is not going to go over very well. And so, just to quickly backtrack about the ghost thing, you know, the operating assumption is that it is the original ghost. I mean, sometimes ships get blown up and they get replaced. The little ship, the uh, sort of away mission ship, if you will, that was attached to the ghost, the Phantom, that one originally got destroyed in Star Wars Rebels and they got another one and that became the Phantom 2. So, we're presuming this is the original ghost and not a Ghost 2. But it's not made clear in the episode. Anyway, the casualness with which Hera and Han have this exchange suggests that they know each other, number one, or have known each other at least passingly over the course of the last few years. And it seems like it's possible they've had discussions about the abilities of their two ships. Now, as you consider that they have some experience with each other, it's not too difficult to let your mind wander and consider a particular possibility. That possibility is the question of whether Hera might appear in Solo A Star Wars Story. And first of all, let me say that there is nothing I've seen one way or the other, even including rumors and leaks and spoilers, I've not seen a single thing that suggests that Hera has a role to play at all in Solo A Star Wars Story. That being said, They are contemporaries in terms of their age, at least as best as we can guess, and so it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility that they could encounter each other during that period of time where Han is between 18 to 24 years old, as he's supposed to be in Solo, A Star Wars Story. That information, of course, came from Bob Iger, by the way, during an interview that happened a while back, so it's not new news or anything like that, and it's not a spoiler, it's actually out there from official sources. Anyway, they could certainly cross paths. It's entirely possible. But, you know, that's another, oh gosh, how long do we have to wait? Another six months? Thank goodness we're going to have another movie with which to entertain ourselves prior to that happening. Anyway, so Hera gives him the ration cases, and Chewie is busily munching on one of the rations. Han is not happy about having to even just say it to make it happen, even though he doesn't obviously believe it, to say that the ghost is a superior ship to the Falcon, (laughs) you know, he's still mad about even having to say it, and so he smacks the ration stick out of Chewie's hand. Chopper and R2-D2 have some sort of exchange, and there's no raspberry-like noises coming from either of them, so it sounds like it must have been a reasonably pleasant exchange, I would think. And they do know each other anyway, I think, I think, I mean, I'm gonna have to rack my brain and think back but they met I believe in the Droids in Distress episode of Star Wars Rebels which happened in season one and it was the first of the big cameos of major characters from the Star Wars universe in Rebels and that it was C-3PO and R2-D2 that showed up in that episode. But again, I digress slightly. So anyway, Han and Chewie and R2-D2 are bringing the ration packs back to where the Ewoks are setting up their feast. And as they arrive, they find that Leia is in a tug of war with another Ewok. And the thing that they're tugging is an Imperial Stormtrooper. They've got him like they're drawing and quartering him, basically the way they're pulling on him. And thankfully, it turns out that the Ewoks like these ration sticks. And so... They're not going to eat the stormtroopers alive after all. All's well that ends well. And that right there is an Imperial Feast, the best episode by far of Forces of Destiny. And when we come back from a quick break, I'm going to rank the rest of them for you. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. /tfa Welcome back. Well, you know, the more I think about it, the more that I find the ranking of the episodes to be a little bit difficult. I mean, it can be done certainly, but there have been 16 episodes now that have been released on YouTube and have been broadcast on Disney XD. And at this point, I think I can say safely that my favorite episodes are the ones that are tied deeply into the movies themselves. So, for example, of course, an Imperial Feast, which is tied directly to the events and the aftermath Of Return of the Jedi and then Ewok Escape which also takes place on Endor and it details the journey that Wicket and Leia make to Bright Tree Village and the trouble that they encounter along the way which of course ends with Leia getting her Ewok gown at Bright Tree Village and there's more Stormtrooper slapstick in that one too. And then there are the three of four that feature Rey that take place during the events of The Force Awakens, specifically Sands of Jakku, which takes place from when BB-8 was rescued from Tito by Rey, all the way to their journey back to Rey's Adat to spend the night, and then BB-8 Bandits, which tells the story of what happens when Rey tries to bring BB-8 to Nima Outpost. And finally, there's Tracker Trouble, where Ray figures out that there is a tracker that's been placed on the Millennium Falcon by Ankar Plutt with an explosive device on it that they've got to get rid of. Otherwise, things are going to get really messy. And this is happening while they are in hyperspace, traveling away from the Aravana and toward Takadana. Oh, and there's one other one actually, Beasts of Echo Base, which takes place during the Empire Strikes Back or shortly beforehand when they are setting up the base because it actually alludes specifically to that famous scene that was deleted from the Empire Strikes Back, the one where C-3PO goes by a door and rips off a sticker that warns people about wampas trapped inside and then the snowtroopers go and there's an arm that comes out and drags a snowtrooper inside that's a big wampa arm. So that was a fun little insider wink-wink-nudge-nudge for the fans as well. And after that, I think it becomes a matter of characters, right? So Yoda appears in two of them, which would be the Padawan Path and Teach You I Will, and they also feature Ahsoka Tano and Anakin Skywalker in a Clone Wars timeline, and I really like those particular episodes primarily because of Yoda, but also because of Ahsoka as well and after that they sort of blend a little bit for me or blend in together there's the imposter inside and starfighter stunt that features ahsoka and padme which they're good you know they're certainly enjoyable there's uh one with princess leia and sabine bounty of trouble again you know it's good certainly not a bad one by any stretch um the ones with ketsu for some reason those ones just have been kind of like eh for me, Newest recruits and then, oh, uh, what's the other one? Crash Course that just came out. Yeah, those ones are not necessarily knocking me out. But again, I am not the target audience, and chances are you're not either. So doesn't matter what I think in that way. Um, and I'm definitely liking Jin in her appearances here. I think her character is done very well. Accidental allies there, but the stranger, eh, you know, I don't see her rescuing a cat for a little girl so much, but having one of those cat style cats in there is always a draw for me. And if you've enjoyed any of the Forces of Destiny episodes, then you'll be heartened to know that... They are done for 2017, but that they are planning more episodes for 2018 as well. So we will talk about those episodes when they arrive. And in the meantime, it's time for me to sign off. So thank you very much for listening to this podcast today. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go blasting your way out of Moss Eisley. Check out SW7X7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you want to join the inner circle of fans, become a patron of the show at patreon.com SW7X7. It's not an Imperial Spy, it's Destiny Unleashed. is not endorsed or sponsored, yet, by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. ooh, ooh and don't let me forget one other reveal from an Imperial Feast. Hera refers to Leia as General Organa, which means that she is a general at the same time that Lando and Han are generals too. Hmm, how about that?